As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candyke, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch, shout the eunuch, had gone to Jerusalem to worship. He was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. So Philip ran over, heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Verse 34, after they finished sharing together, the eunuch asked Philip, so tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else in terms of the scripture they read? So beginning with that same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Shout, good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, it came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? So he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch, shout the eunuch, never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Shout rejoicing. All right, please be seated. God, uh, just do something special among us, if you would, will you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let me give you uh, a quick review of exactly where we are one week before the end of our transforming series. We started off talking about how God can transform us in a variety of ways. Here's the big idea uh, that if you do life with Jesus, you're going to experience amazing transformation. Uh, the first week we talked about Peter, how he was transformed from uh, fear to courage. The second week we talked about how God uses disruption in our lives uh, to transform our ability to trust him. Last week, Pastor Tina uh, did an outstanding job. Can we just give God a hand, praise? I thought she was fast fabulous. She essentially talked about how being connected to a Jesus community will drive transformation in our faithfulness and our experience of God with one another. Next week, uh, a, as has already been pointed out, a beautiful, brilliant woman who happens to be my wife, is going to be the Mother's Day speaker, all three gatherings. You don't want to miss it because she's going to be talking about how uh, laying hold to God's dream for your life and uh, with a special emphasis on women and girls uh, will also lead to dramatic transformation uh, in your life and in your relationship with God. So you don't want to miss it. Uh, next week she'll be here. Uh, today I want to talk about how encountering uh, God's unconditional love can change your heart and impact your thinking. I'll give you the real context of this passage uh, very quickly. Uh, Philip is one of the chief uh, actors in this passage. Uh, he's first introduced, those of you who've read the first 10 chapters of Acts, as we've encouraged you to do, uh, it's not too late, uh, you can certainly do that. Uh, in chapter 6, the deacon's ministry is introduced for the very first time. And the list of all the deacons are laid out for you. And the first person on the list is Stephen. Stephen has the charge and responsibility of sharing 
the good news of Jesus Christ inside of his faith community. The second person on the list is Philip. And Philip has the charge and responsibility of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ outside of his faith community, which is the Jewish community, uh, to others. Now, what's unique about this particular chapter is it's really laying out how some people thought that they were beyond God's love and favor. And they discovered that nobody is beyond God's love and favor. So the work starts in Samaria. If you read some of the verses started at the beginning of the chapter and the Samarians thought they were beyond God's love and favor and they discovered that what God did in Jesus Christ included them also. So Christian community began to pop up all over the place. Peter and John came, kind of sealed the deal. And now Luke is bringing your attention back to Philip where some quick insights just jump off the page for us. Here's the, here's the first insight that jumps off the page for me. The verse 26 begins with the words, uh, so as for Philip, the angel said to him, go south, uh, down uh, the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. By implications, there's somebody there who thinks they're beyond the love and favor of God, and I'm going to send you to help them to realize that in Jesus Christ, that's no such thing. Now, everybody shout, the angel. The angel. Now, here's what's interesting. We don't know what the appearance of this angel was. But we have learned, if you, that Luke is the writer of the book of Acts. And so, if you go to chapter 24 of Luke, verse 4, we get his depiction of two angels in the tomb after Jesus has risen from the grave. And he describes these two angels simply as two men who garments, who clothes were gleaming with a bright light. And when we think about the fact that actually uh, the essence of the word angel means messenger of God, it, 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 it reminds us beyond the celestial peace that anyone who is a messenger in your life that tells you that you're not beyond the love and grace of God, that tells you about the power and the grace and the unconditional love of God in Jesus Christ, they are, in a sense, your angel. Ask the person next to you, could it be that you're an angel? Ask them. <laughs> now, Guys, if you're sitting next to a young lady that you would like to get to know, do not use this as a pickup line. This is not. <laughs> for some of us, our parents were angels. For others, our children. For others, our dear friends who, who, who brought us the good news that in Jesus Christ, our lives could be radically transformed by his unconditional love. And so we see this insight of the angel. The second insight that we see in the text that I think is really interesting for me uh, is this, this guy that is referred to ultimately as the Ethiopian eunuch. Now here's what's fascinating to me about this guy. Uh, he's clearly a guy of great power. As a matter of fact, if he was in the U.S. government, 
the equivalent to the position he held in Ethiopia, he would be the Secretary of Treasury. Because he was in charge of all of the treasury for the country of Ethiopia, and he reported directly to the queen. So this was a man who was tremendously blessed, tremendously blessed with gifts. Everybody shout blessed. blessed. Tremendously blessed. I mean, obviously, uh, he was a man of affluence and influence. Obviously, he was a man of real authority. The text says he had great authority. Obviously, he had great skills to manage and political skills to engage and work with a wide variety of people. Truly, this man was gifted. He's riding in a chariot where he's got his own personal driver, this Ethiopian personal driver, his chariot. And yet, for the duration of this pericope, this, 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 this slice of teaching, this slice of scripture, he is referred to not as the powerful Ethiopian man who went to worship in Jerusalem and is returning, not as, as the incredible Ethiopian administrator who went to Jerusalem and is now returning from worship, uh, uh, not as the influential one uh, who's on the queen's staff that went to Jerusalem is now returning from, to worship. He's referred to uh, by the way that he is, is, is mostly identified as the eunuch. Everybody shout eunuch. eunuch. Now, in the historical context, many folk in this position who were called eunuchs meant that from birth, uh, from a young age rather, they were castrated. So as a result of that, uh, when we talk about his being a unit, we're really talking about his brokenness. Part of his self that's broken. Now, here's an insight that just, for me, jumps out of the, off the text. Many of us are kind of like this guy. We're tremendously blessed. We have all kinds of incredible gifts that flow in our lives. And many of us are people of influence and people of power and people of authority in corporate America and education and etc. But when you think about your life, the dominant point of identity is not at the place of the blessings. Your dominant point of identity for your life, the way you understand yourself, the lens through which you see yourself begins with your brokenness. tragic that we allow our brokenness to eclipse the extraordinary gifts and blessings that God has made us. We start with our brokenness. Well, I think to a large degree this is Hannah's story. As she shared uh, that she grew up in a middle class, which we just watched, home. And in that middle class home, uh, you know, she said, nice house, and a puppy in the, in the yard, all of that. You know, 58% of the young people in East Palo Alto are homeless. I've said this before a few weeks ago. I think that's a disgrace. That means they don't have a place to stay. That wasn't Hannah's story. She had a warm bed to sleep in, a house, a decent house to live in. She had two, 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 two parents in the home. I told you all a few 
weeks ago that Viola Davis, uh, the, the famous actress, shared that when she was a child growing up, she wouldn't invite any of her friends to where she lived because she always lived, her family lived in condemned apartments. And how she would jump in these garbage cans to try to find food. That wasn't Hannah's story. She, she, she had clothes and jeans and tennis shoes and, and a cell phone to text her friends. I mean, she was blessed with gifts. She had a brilliant mind that, that, that allowed her to excel. But when she would wake up in the morning, the reason for why her life was full of such anger, full of such conflict, full of such tension in her home and tension at class and tension even in the church community surrounding her, it is that when she woke up in the morning, if I would dare to guess about it, she didn't wake up thinking about how blessed she was. She didn't wake up thinking about, wow, this is a nice bed, this is a great house, look at I got all the food that I want to eat. You know, I, I, I'm blessed to have a phone, I've got two parents, and, and maybe they're not perfect, but I've got them in my life. That, that wasn't her chief paradigm when she opened her eyes. When she opened her eyes in the morning, she thought about her brokenness. Her brokenness, she shared, how her biological father didn't want anything to do with her. That causes brokenness. She shared about how she moved 11 times in nine years, not being able to sustain relationships and, 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 and the shattering that that did for her. So my suspicion is that when Hannah uh, would wake up during the day, the, the, each new day, rather than seeing her blessings and the gifts that God had given her, she opened her eyes thinking about what was wrong with her life. You could have simply called Hannah, Hannah the eunuch. For many of us, we can just simply call ourselves John, Julie, the eunuch. Because we allow our lives to be defined by what's wrong with us, not by what's good with us. It's a challenge. But God comes with this unconditional love. And, 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 and the first message to the Ethiopian is the same message to Hannah. It's the same message to us. And that is simply this, that God has an unconditional love and that God has a place in his heart for you, despite your brokenness. That's why he says to Philip, go find him. Go down this desert road, this isolated road, and you're going you're gonna to connect with this guy who thinks he's beyond the love and the reach of God's favor and grace. Go find him because I've got a place in my heart for him and I'm longing for him. The first thing that jumps out, the second insight that jumps out at me uh, as I think about this text is that the text says that this gentleman was returning from worship in Jerusalem. He probably made a pilgrimage to worship in Jerusalem. And yet he's defined by his brokenness. It reminds me of Hannah's story because she said she would go to church every day. Or every week, rather. And despite the fact that she's going to church every week, she said it wasn't causing any change in her life. Well, how was that? Well, she explained it. She said it wasn't that she didn't believe in God. She believed in God. She just... Didn't think she could trust God because she felt like he had abandoned her. 
She felt like he wasn't there to deliver her. He wasn't there to fix things for her. Now she said, God, where are you? Now she didn't see the house that she woke up in every day. She didn't see the bed that she slept in every day. She didn't see the phone that she got to use. She didn't see the food that she got to use. No, she missed all of that. She said, God, where are you? So she came to church, but she came to church with a closed possible to come to church with a closed heart. Now, here's some good news. If you're coming to church with a closed heart, I just want to say to you, keep coming. Because you're welcome. We want you here closed heart and all. And the good news about Hannah, she kept coming. Gave God a chance to work. Now, let me tell you a quick story. When I was about the ninth grade, I, I had a crush. Oh, by the way, uh, if we got anybody in here 19 and younger, just stand up because we do want to just celebrate your presence. 19 and younger, just stand up quickly. Let's see where you are. Let's celebrate. These are our young people. We love you. Nice. Have a seat. Praise God. All right. So you young people, you'll relate to this. When I was in the ninth grade, I had a crush on a little girl. And by the way, let me just make this point. If you love somebody and they don't know you exist, it's not a relationship, right? I mean, I didn't realize that. I was just, I was, I'm just letting you guys, you know, high schoolers, I'm just letting you know that. Anyway. So I was learning this, okay. So I, I had a crush on this girl who didn't know I existed. But I went out, I, had been, I took my German, I was taking German class that year. So I saw her sitting out with her friends. So I went out and I thought I was going to impress her with some of my uh, broken German. And so I walked up to her and I, I put on the most debonair Denzel Washington voice I could come up with. And I said, I said, Sie sind eine schönes Fräulein. She looked at me and she looked at her friends. And she looked back at me and she looked at her friends and then she said to them and they all giggled, what is he talking about? Didn't say anything to me. I'm invisible. So I, 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 I'm going to make another effort at it. I'm going to really, I'm going I'm to I'm bring it the second time, right? <laughs> so, so, so I said, excuse me. <laughs> ich liebe dich. <laughs> and I'm waiting. And she looked at me, looked back at her friends, and finally she addresses me. And she says, <clears throat> I don't know what you said, but you got 30 seconds to get out of my face. <laughs> broke my heart. Listen, here's, here's what really tripped me out, y'all. The girl didn't even ask for the translation. I mean, at least ask for the translation. Come on. Because had she asked for the translation, she might have been surprised. You know, let me tell you what I was trying to say in broken German. 
The first thing I was trying to say was, you are a beautiful young woman. You're beautiful. The second thing I was trying to say was, I love you. And the girl didn't even ask for the translation. <laughs> what I find fascinating about this passage, in a way that it, it, it really intersects with Hannah's story, is that in verse 29 it says, uh, And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, once Philip saw the, the, the opening, it says, The Holy Spirit said to Philip, uh, uh, go and walk and uh, walk alongside the chariot because that's the guy right there go, go connect yourself join yourself to him another translation says everybody shout the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit now what's fascinating is that both in verse 26 and in verse 29 we're reminded that God is initiating the action it is, it is God who is saying I love you so much. I've got a, an agenda for you so much that, that, that I'm going to make the first and second and third move. And so he says to Philip, go. Hook up with that guy. Now, I don't know how Philip knew it was the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was, I, mean, I don't know how it came. Maybe it was intuition. Maybe it was an instinct. Maybe it was an inner voice that he heard. Uh, 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 maybe it was just a thought that dropped in his heart. You know, God speaks to us in all those different ways. But Philip had enough relationship with God to know that it was God that was speaking to him and, and he sought to obey. Now, here's what I find interesting about Hannah's story. I'm making my way back to this, 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 this German thing in a minute. Here's what I find interesting about Hannah's story. Hannah said that when she heard about the mission trip to Athens, Greece, that she, she could not explain it. She just knew deep down inside that she needed to go. She didn't have a word for it. She didn't have an explanation for it. But, but, but I just want to highlight here that that, 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 that that was nothing less than God speaking to her. And she hadn't figured out the translation yet. Come on now. But that was, that, was, that was God pushing her forward. So here's some insight for all of you. Whether you come to church regularly or you don't. Whether you read the Bible or you don't. Whether you participate in worship or you don't. Whether you believe in God or you don't. It does not matter. The God who is the creator of every single one of us uh, is always trying to communicate to us. And he's always trying to say to us a, a, a basic message. I see the thing that makes you a eunuch. But I see beyond that thing. And when I look at you in totality... What I see is somebody who's beautiful. What I see is somebody I love. What I see is somebody that I want a redemptive relationship with. So Hannah, those Athens, Greece. Now, here's a little insight that I think is interesting. Sometimes... The familiar becomes so familiar that we miss the beauty within the familiar. 
that we just take stuff for granted and, and we don't hear what God is trying to show us in our day-to-day context. So therefore, God has to find a way to shift the context. Last weekend, as some of you know, I was in Milwaukee. And I was in Milwaukee for three days. And listen, y'all, for three, this is the truth. For three days and three nights, it rained, it was cold, and it was dark. I asked the guy I was there preaching for, does the sun ever rise in Milwaukee? <laughs> I mean, in May, I couldn't believe it. Then I called home. And when I talked to Rhonda and Lauren, they went, oh, it's 85 degrees, it's so hot, to burn it up. My daughter said, I'm about to die of dehydration. <laughs> oh, I, and I was like, what? <laughs> what would I give to have some sunshine and some warmth? But here they were in the environment, their everyday California, come on now, uh, 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 environment. They missed the beauty wrapped up in the familiar. What beauty are you missing wrapped up in the familiar? So Hannah had to shift context. God had to shift. So here she is, she says. She says she's, uh, she's, she's, she's in Athens. You heard the story. And uh, she sees poverty like she's never seen it before. She sees uh, mothers and children but then she makes it to the refugee camp. And what she sees at the, at the refugee camp is even worse. People coming out of the ravages of war. Women who have experienced all kinds of horrors from rape to devastation to the loss of children. And, and I'm not sure that Hannah was conscious of this. But I think on a subconscious level, out of her context, I think somewhere she started to think, and I thought I had a problem. I woke up in a nice warm bed every day I was guaranteed about it. And I thought I had a problem. I had a house over my head. I had food that the galore that I could eat. I, I, I had transportation. But look at this devastating situation. I lived in the safety of my home. And Hannah, in that context, realized what she hadn't realized at home, which was, based on what I'm seeing, I should be feeling for these people. But I don't feel anything. And the reason I don't feel anything is because I hadn't realized it. I've been going through life with a closed heart. And so the prayer that she prays is really a prayer of both surrender and invitation. She says, God, break my heart with the things that break your heart. That's a prayer of surrender. She says, okay, I'm, I, I want to be yours. God. I want you to have your way with my life. Break my heart with the things that break your heart. That's, that's a prayer. That's saying, I want to get to know you. Because the more I understand your heart, the more I understand you. God, break my heart with the things that break 
your heart. That's an invitation. That's God invade my world with your priorities. And Heather says, Hannah says that, that she was uh, almost immediately flooded with emotions. And, and here's the point. God, who had a place for Hannah in his heart, God, who also had a place for her in his family, as Ethiopian is going to figure out in just a moment, has been waiting. God had been communicating with Hannah the way I was trying to communicate with that ninth grade girl. God had been trying to say to Hannah, you're beautiful and I love you and I want a redemptive relationship with you. But, but, but Hannah did, didn't, couldn't. Couldn't translate it, y'all. But, 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 so he was kind of waiting. And the moment she surrendered, she didn't have to do it perfectly. She didn't have to do it flawlessly. It, but, but it was the right time. She opened up herself. God said, I'm there. And flooded her. And in that flood of emotions, she realized two things. One, how God felt about the people that she was looking at in the midst of the ugliness of their lives and the tragedy that surrounded their lives. God felt this way. Y'all are beautiful. I love you. And I want a relationship to redeem you. And when he, she realized that God felt that way about them, she also realized God felt that way about Despite all the ways you've messed up, which I see, you're beautiful. I love you. And I want a redemptive relationship with you. And Hannah came back. In that one moment, she experienced the unconditional, shout unconditional, no strings attached, love of God and it changed her heart as she came back that's the story that we see as we hasten to our conclusion with the Ethiopian he's reading this passage out of Isaiah chapter 56 he's reading verse uh, Isaiah chapter 53 reading verse uh, 7 and 8 and as they put that up on the screen uh, 53 verse 7 and 8 He's reading this passage. He doesn't really quite understand. He says, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before uh, his shears, uh, he did not open his mouth. And so he asked Philip. Philip says, you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I let somebody instruct me? And so, so Philip started right there in that passage. And I think he backed up a few verses and began to point out to him what, who this passage is talking about. So I think he backed up to verse 4. Listen now. And we went back to verse 4. And he started reading. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. In other words, we thought what Jesus went through was Jesus' fault. Come on now. And this is how he's talking to him. He said, but the next verse, but he was pierced for our transgression. And, and Philip is saying, this is the son of God that they're referring to. His name is Jesus. He was crushed for our, our iniquity. He's talking about how Jesus gave his life for us. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. Come on now. Uh, uh, Through his wounds, he can declare us beautiful and lovable and declare, I want a relationship with you at all costs. 
my life. And what Philip said is we know how God feels about us who think we're beyond the reach of his love because he showed us how he feels about us in his son, Jesus Christ. And without question, I'm sure... Uh, he went on to say, so all you have to do is confess and be baptized. And obviously they're driving by and uh, the, 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 the guy says, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized now? He didn't ask him to, can I be baptized right now? And verse 37 is missing from most modern translations, but KJV picks it up. So Philip says to him, well, do you believe? If Yes, if you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And, 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 he, and, and God responds by saying, I, I believe with all my heart. What means, what by translation, he means, I believe that God shows me how he feels about me through his son, Jesus. I believe that God has declared that despite my being a unit, I'm beautiful. Despite my being a unit, I'm lovable. Despite what's wrong with my life and my history, he wants a relationship with me. And I say yes. Baptism is about becoming a part of the community. That's what it is. It's about, about realizing that God has a place for you in his family. And so they are baptized right there. The eunuch continues to be a eunuch, but he goes in a dry eunuch, and he comes out a redeemed eunuch. Philip disappears, and the eunuch leaves rejoicing and I think he recognized what Hannah recognized that God had a place for him uh, for, for her not only in his heart not only in his family but God had a place for her in his plan and this eunuch we're told tradition suggests that he went back and he evangelized this goes back to what Pastor Tina said last week transformed people transform people and he went back we think and he evangelized northern Africa Nubia and Ethiopia the northern part of Egypt we think that he's he has something to do with the Coptic church which is the oldest expression of Christianity uh, in the world which is in, in Egypt he found his place in God's plan H Hannah uh, is about to graduate and she came back and she came back to the church. Her heart was open. And here's what, here's what was remarkable. The kids that she couldn't stand and, 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 and she also got on their nerves. They saw what happened to her. And, they, and she asked for forgiveness. And they opened up their heart. That's what church community does, y'all. Come on now. Because none of us are perfect. Come on. But we can be instruments of God's grace. And they say, come on, get with us. And now they're growing together. Come on, best. that's good news. And so she's going to leave, graduate go to law school, become an instrument of justice as well as being an instrument of the God who rescued and saved and her life and loves her today. Give God a hand praise. I'll tell you this, I didn't say this in other gatherings. I'll say this. Several years, the ninth grade, my senior year in college, I met another young woman who I said, Ich bin ein schönes Fräulein. Sie sind ein schönes Fräulein. And ich liebe dich. And she asked for the translation. And 
31 years later, we're still in a redemptive relationship. That's what God wants for you. God bless you.